All right, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Public Speakers Podcast. I'm here today with Thomas Kraft from Presentation Boss back in Brisbane, Australia. Now, if you saw my podcast with his partner, Kate, uh, she is the co-founder along with Thomas. Uh, Kate, me and Kate had an awesome discussion, uh, really good stuff. So she recommended Thomas to be on the podcast. Uh, so Thomas is going to give us his best tips on public speaking and communication all for free while we have him on this podcast. So Thomas, let everybody know where you're from, what you're kind of doing, how you got into Presentation Boss, and then we'll get into some questions. Yeah, good day. Thanks for having me on your podcast, Armut. Um So my name's Thomas from Brisbane here in Australia. Um, yeah, it's uh, currently the middle of summer and half of our state is in a bushfire and it's about 40 Celsius outside, but uh, <laughs> let's have some fun talking public speaking. So um, if I if I listen to your podcast, Armand, I think you started speaking like in your teenage years as well, um, which, is, which is where I started. I was an instructor through my teenage years in the Air Force Cadets. Um, so I kind of never really felt the fear of public speaking. It was never, uh, it was never made to be something scary to me. Right. Um, but that, that fueled, fueled my love for it, right? Um, I've been certainly speaking all my adult life, um, you know, by night and, and semi sort of professionally and whatnot. Um, and and it, was, it was during that time I sort of, I, I learned a lot or I heard a lot, I should say, about how, um, how PowerPoint is an awful thing to use. Yeah. And I started questioning that a lot and I sort of, I, I leaned into it, right, and, and started putting hundreds of hours of sort of research and design and use into it. And that's, so that, that's become my, my specialty now. Um, a couple of years ago, I met Kate, who's, who's my business partner. Um, at the time, she was com- doing some competitive speaking, doing some you know, speaking contests, right. which, you know, that's a, that's a thing, right? And um, thing. Yeah, and, and I said to her that I'd happily mentor her through that process. This was in a volunteer sense. Right. And we got to the end of that process and we just sort of went, well, we're, we're kind of good at this and we enjoy doing it. Um, so we, we started Presentation Boss a few years back and, and now that's, that's where we've landed. So um, you probably heard about how she does a lot of data, uh, data visualization, data presentation. Right. That's her specialty. My specialty is, is PowerPoint and visual communication. And then we both do presentation skills, training and coaching for, for businesses and individuals here in Brisbane. Gotcha, gotcha. So we're going to get into PowerPoint in a little bit and uh, get a little bit deeper, yeah. some of your best tips on that. But before we get into that, the Air Force Cadets thing, can you can you walk us through that? How did you get involved in that and why were you uh, speaking so much when you were in that in your teenage years? Oh, interesting. I've never been asked this before. Uh, <laughs> how I got into it, uh, oh man, this is a long time ago. This is half a lifetime ago. I don't really remember how I got into it, but I, as I ascended through the ranks, basically, they get you to instruct the younger younger people in the in the organization right. uh, and and I just did that right I like I said it wasn't really I guess asked it wasn't really something I was made to ponder or be fearful of it was just here was the content and off you went and I enjoyed that you know um, I got a little bit of training initially in that and that just sort of sparked sparked the interest I guess right right yeah that, that, that's kind of interesting to me because I, I guess for me, um, and I, I've, I've articulated this on the podcast a couple times, but I am kind of mm. in a similar situation with you where I got over the fear of public speaking sort of subconsciously, um, just because my mom yeah. put me in situations when I was really young to perform in front of other people, <laughs> even if it wasn't public speaking, it yeah. was like, 
it was like weird dances or, or songs that I wanted to sing and I wasn't a good singer, wasn't a good dancer, but she like literally forced me to take the remote when we were at a friend's house. Random friend. Like we barely know these people. She's like, <laughs> oh, he has a talent. He's going to show you a talent. I'm like, mom, like I don't know these people. And she's like, go do it. So it was really interesting because there's random people that I have no relationship to that I'm in their living room with their TV remote performing my song. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah. It really got it really got me over the fear. And then as I got older and I started doing I started taking more bigger leaps of fate when it came to putting myself out there in terms of the stage, I, I really didn't have a problem dealing with that at all. And that's mm. why I started competitive speech and debate in high school. So when you're saying that you sort of uh, unconsciously got over the fear of public speaking just because you have to do so much training, I kind of resonate with how experiences in our life sort of trigger things that uh, get yeah. us to move past things. And it's such a it's such a fortunate position you and I have found ourselves in, where it just it just happened right at, at, at an early stage, um, and you know I mean if schools taught this you know universally just got people talking, you know I'd basically be out of a job right, um, yeah. you know as we, as we develop into adults and now we have all of this self talk that goes on about the judgment and it's not something I'm good at or people have, you know use whatever excuses they have, that's when you you end up with a problem that lasts a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a, another guest the other day on the podcast. We were actually, he's, he did, he was a public school teacher for 10 years and now he's a presentation coach. Yeah. And we were talking about why schools particularly, I mean, every job application you go for in today's corporate world, like before they get into all the technical stuff, the first qualification is like excellent interpersonal communication skills required. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you would assume yeah. That schools recognize that if schools really are just a training ground for college and then college for the job market, that communication, there would be some curriculum that's universalized, just like algebra is universalized for people to better <laughs> communicate. And it's not like for some. And the reason yeah. the, the guest on the podcast, he was just saying that you can't make money off of it. There's not a quantifiable ROI for schools, which is leads to yeah. destandardization of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, there's a there's a there's a deep discussion that's well outside um, my qualifications to talk about. But I mean, it, we often say that everything you know, all of your experience, and all of your ideas are worthless, right? Unless you can communicate them. Yeah. And yeah, unfortunately, there's plenty of people who just can't get it out of their, you know, from their brain into their mouth and transmitted to somebody else effectively. So let's. And that's that's what we're trying to fix. So let's transition into yes. how do we fix that? What is your advice, given your uh, career and your experience, for someone to get over the fear of public speaking? All right. Um, I like that you took a breath question. for it. You're like, I'm about, to I'm about to say some fire stuff right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's 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 go back a few thousand years. You, you and I, Armit, are, you know, we're... Um, some sort of pre-modern humans um you you're out in the out in the wilderness somewhere right yeah. um i don't know do you have wilds in new york right um and you're, you're standing in the middle of a field you've got no clothes no weapon right right and all of a sudden you notice there are a hundred sets of eyes on you right. right your brain is telling you in that situation with no weapon with no defense and a hundred eyes on you you are about to die you're about to be killed. And that is what our human brain sees when we don't feel like we have a, a defense. You know, we're standing in front of a room of people and we have a hundred eyes on us. Right. That is the feeling that develops 
you know, that fear of public speaking, that's what builds the anxiety because evolutionarily, we're about to be seriously hurt. Obviously, there is there, there is no risk speaking, right? Certainly not physically, I hope, unless you're doing something horrendously wrong. Right. Um, and so if we can understand why we feel the anxiety around speaking, why that is. Now, often it's about judgment. You know, you're the one in, in, the, in the tribe, in the group that's doing something different. Everybody is listening. You are speaking. You're, you're different. Um, there's a fear of, of judgment that people won't like us. We all want to be liked, right? Um but if you put yourself, I think, in the mind of the audience member, now you've been to, you've seen other speakers, right? You've been to maybe conferences and training seminars, um, or you've been to things where you've you've paid to be there, right? You've paid to go and see a conference, or you've given up a day, like you've invested time and, and or money into this. Right. And at any point, have you been sitting in the audience watching somebody speak to you and thinking, oh, yes, I really hope they stuff this up? lose their place, like get lost. That's like not, nobody not, thinks not. that. Yep. Nobody thinks that, right? You've given up time and money to be there, to listen to the person, to hear their message. Everybody in that room, unless so, <laughs> everybody in that room <laughs> wants the person to succeed. Yeah. You and the same goes for, right. yeah. And, and the same goes for, for you and I and any listener when they're on stage is people are not there to judge you. While the fear is there that people will judge you, that you've got all these eyes on you, and that maybe you're you're striving for perfection, um, the, the reality is everybody wants you to succeed. You know, what are you really scared of? Because I put it to you that, you know, logically it's just it, it's a it's a non-existent threat. Right. Um. So so the, the answer to the question of how do we how do we move past that? Right. Because what do we do? And I don't know how many times I've been to like a business breakfast or something and they say, oh, what's, what's your one tip for getting over speaking fear, right? I'm sure you get the same question. Yeah. Like, what's the one thing? And it's, it's two words and they both suck, but it's preparation and practice. Right. Like preparation, you need to be prepared to speak. You need to be, you need to have an idea of what it is you're going to say. You need to be as prepared as possible and practice. You know, you and I had the, had the luxury of doing it from a young age, but doing it over and over and over again and just getting comfortable with the feeling and building the confidence over time. Yeah, yeah, I would I would fundamentally agree with that. It seems like what you're isolating is kind of what I um, agree with on a principle level, which is that the fear of public speaking is not necessarily something that can be solved through breathing techniques. Now that can help, but the way you're kind of yeah. answering the question is that it's more philosophical. Like it's, it's, it's the way we orient ourselves towards the world and you've given a whole evolutionary analysis which yeah. isn't just something that is is intrinsic to speaking right like the fear of judgment it, it stops us from taking risks and 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 going after our yeah. dreams which is kind of why like public speaking to me is like a metaphor for life if we can get over the the fear of other people and the ability to take risks forget speaking like we unlock an inner potential that is beyond <laughs> our wildest imaginations right yeah, I mean it's psychological, and you know I don't know I I'm not 100 percent, but like have you ever seen somebody start to develop skills in speaking, and then like literally their self confidence in every aspect just increases, right? They now have the skills to express their thoughts and feelings when and whereby they want to. Absolutely, they found their inner voice, and the ability to communicate effectively is not just like through inner nitty gritty tactics, which are true, but it's like if you have your mm. inner voice effective communication almost at that point is inevitable because you have confidence and courage in what you're trying to say. 
So yeah, and I'm sure you've been put into the situation like I know I have, where you're thrown into a speaking role with like no notice on a topic you're kind of marginal on. It's just a few minutes, and you kind of faff your way through it, but you're okay doing it, right? Because because of all those times of preparate of preparation and practice, um, you've got the toolkit there to lean on. Honestly, man, I love those moments. Like I I, I gen it, it it gives you a chance to uh, be impromptu. And I've just always embraced being impromptu. Like I've been in various situations where I've been thrown a topic and I've had to speak on it. One of the games that I like to play um, with people that I coach and, and with people that I just like help with public speaking is connecting to things. Because when I was little, I would look at random things in the room like pillow and like photo frame. And I would try to make a weird set of link chains and connections <laughs> to get these two things together. And as I grew older and I started making connections when it came to speaking and storytelling and narrative building on the spot, like within 30 seconds, I would have to start yeah. speak. I was like, why am I able to do this? And I realized at a very young age, like, oh, I was when I was bored, I would make these little random connections. And then when I have to get it out of me, it, 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 it pays off tenfold. So I think the ability to talk about and it helps in interpersonal conversations, right? Like if we're having a conversation, yeah. if I can bring up a personal experience or a, an example in my life and connect it to the larger theme of the conversation we're having, it just builds a better conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, <laughs> there's there's no argument that storytelling is fundamental to human communication, but right. Um, if we talk about if we talk about impromptu speaking, you know, this is something I teach in our workshops, and people get people get so uh, so fearful of it because it's it's immediate and you don't have time to prepare and all these things. And I always ask the question like, when do we do impromptu speaking? Like, when do we actually do it? I put it to you like today. You sent me a link to a, to a recording. I don't know what we're going to talk about. This is effectively impromptu, right? Basically, the phone rings. You say hi to your mate. You you say hello to you know the bus driver, the Uber driver, whatever. Like. 95% of the speaking we do is completely impromptu. Um, it, it's, it strikes me a little bit strange that people get so fearful of it, um, but, but really you can prepare for these things just as well. You know, like we're having a talk here today about public speaking, presentation skills and PowerPoint. You just have to think about it beforehand. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Is, is and, it, and stories. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, you're good. No, that's it. Go it seems like no, the, nothing, the it seems like the formality of telling someone, all right, you have to talk about the the newest policy that uh, Brisbane's government just passed. That's when they get shaken up. But if I just asked you a question about the policy in a regular conversation, you would be able to probably talk about it. It's like something weird about mm. the formality of presenting triggers the sense of fight or flight that you were talking about. Yeah, and I think you know, like we we live in a world now. Um, like you and I grew up in a world that, that had the internet, you know, it was invented. The World Wide Web came online the, the year I was born, right? Right. Um, and we're now exposed to all of this speaking, right? Like at the click of a button, you can go and see Tony Robbins. You can see how many million TED Talks. Um, and it, I think I think there's this grandiosity around public speaking, right? That like I am now doing the speaking. I'm now presenting. I'm now giving a public speaking. And, and and we kind of we kind of lose sight that it's really just it's just speaking like the same as you would about your passions and interests to a group of friends or to some colleagues you're just doing it in front of a bigger group and yeah it might be on a slightly more um, professional topic you know if you've got to present on a certain project or you know department type thing but really you're just talking to people and fundamentally we all want to be liked like I said before. We all just want to connect. You're just speaking to people. Right. I have a question for you now that you just mentioned the whole yeah. concept of like TED Talks and stuff like that. As 
I've been doing so I, I've started really getting into speaking. So I've been speaking since I was a teenager, but I've been getting into the, the speaking mm-hmm. industry um, for the past yeah. year and a half now. And the conclusion I've come to is the reason why companies and conferences are, are, are actually paying speakers and why this is a business and why it facilitates you to have a bil- business to coach people is that there is something intrinsic. And, and I want to unpack what you think is intrinsic about this, about a keynote presentation on a stage where people are watching that gives it a sort of rock star type of vibe. Like people will pay $200 to go see XYZ performer at a concert and they'll have two hours of escapism where they get to hear the music and they get to vibe with it and it's a great night. And people are also paying the same amount of money to go to a professional conference and watch someone on stage who is not dancing, not singing. The vibe is fundamentally different, much more professional. (laughs) Even a TED talk, right? Maybe not as professional, um, more fun, lighthearted. But they're, they're speaking into a microphone, and we as humans are so captivated by the fact that that's happening. What is it about the keynote presenter that sort of equivocates to, like, a rock star in today's day and age? Oh, yeah. I think, I think there's two, two answers to that question. Um, the, first is, um, the first is that motivation is a lot like doing cocaine, right? Um, I, I assume. Just, just run with me. <laughs> uh, um, um, you can you can get a hit of it, and it feels awesome. Right. Um, and then you you go home, you go to sleep that night, and then the next day you wake up and it's Monday morning and you're doing the same thing again. Right. Um, so you know if you're going to a conference with you know motivational speakers on, like it feels awesome. Like yeah, I'm getting all motivated. And, you know, I'm going to change the world and boost my income and be an awesome human being and all these things. It feels awesome. And you're like, you know, you run out of the place, right? You're like, you're feeling amped. And then you go home and you go to bed and you wake up and it's Monday morning and it's gone, right? Like motivation is kind of like doing cocaine. You need to keep it ongoing. And so, you know, if you've got if you've got a conference that you're going to, and like you say, you've just got people speaking into a microphone, but it feels awesome. Right. Um, and you get this spike of, you know, the, the feel goods and, and then over time it dies out. So you'll pay money to do that again, right? You'll go to that thing again. So that's, that I think is the first, first reason. Right. And the second one, the second I think is the, uh, I forget the exact name, but it's along the lines of the 50 mile rule, right? So, you imagine if, um, and maybe you've had this experience, I'm not sure. You imagine if, you know, where you're sitting right now, um, within a couple of, within a, you know, walking distance of where you are right now, you decide you're going to hold Armit's public speaking conference or public speaking class, right? right. Um, and the advertiser and whatnot. Um, and some people come, like some people come, let's say 20 people come and they think you're good, right? Like you do good stuff in that room. Um, but next week, next week, this guy from Brisbane, Australia flies into New York and he's, he's advertised this talk and it's Thomas's public speaking workshop or class, right? Right. And then, but he somehow, like this guy that nobody's heard of, has like 200 people in the room. Like what's up with that, right? Right. Like maybe, maybe you've had that experience. Maybe people listening have had that experience. I've had that experience here, right? Um, and it's, it's the 50-mile rule, which is as soon as you get somebody in from outside of 50 miles away, oh, they must know what they're talking about. Like they've gotten somebody in to talk about this, right? They, right? they must be an expert if it's worth flying or driving them up here. Right. And even though you and I may have the exact same message, the exact same delivery and knowledge and skills, 
people want, you know, so much more likely to um, or see more value in somebody who's traveled to be there to address them. And, you know, then it just comes down to you've got somebody on stage who is one or more levels knowledge higher than the rest of the room. Therefore, they're the expert and we're going to listen to them. Right. Yeah, I I think that's a really good analysis. I think the motivation part is is a big thing. It's the motivation thing is tricky for me because there are there have been, as you said, we have the Internet. We can go watch motivational speakers at the touch of a button. There have been very few that have actually impacted me because for some reason, maybe because I'm in the speaking game. I see some and I can just smell bullshit like yeah. so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you are literally regurgitating what other people said. And obviously the realm of motivation, concepts are not that original, right? Like failure leads to success. Yeah. Follow your passion. All of this shit has been said for hundreds of years. I think the ones who are winning in the speaking in our industry are genuinely have a foundation of authenticity in which they are speaking from that allows them to communicate those unoriginal ideas in an original a form of communication and then there's this some who are just stealing what everyone's saying and they're just saying it on stage yeah. and they're somehow getting booked in all these stages because like i guess that's how capitalism works right you just market yourself and you get booked <laughs> and i can it's just it, it it makes me upset i'm like you don't give a shit about what you're saying and i can smell that so i think there is a fine line between someone who can motivate and truly get an audience to be inspired and then the person who just gets up on stage and and it doesn't have a fear of speaking but also doesn't have a genuine thing to say so yeah but, but like you mean you you have um you have politicians in the United States right we do yeah right like you've got a president from New York at the moment um you and I are human beings and so are all our audience I guarantee your audience can smell the bullshit too right. like if you know as soon as you've got somebody on stage your audience will smell it yeah um, I'm sure you had another president that said you can fool some of the people some of the time but not all of the people all the time right. Um, and it's the same thing. Yep, you you might get a few. You might get a few, but your audience is going to smell it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's transition into uh, yeah. some of the stuff you're really good at. So Kate recommended you on visual communication and PowerPoint skills. PowerPoint, obviously, we've heard death by PowerPoint. PowerPoint is an amazing yeah. communication tool, but for some reason, business presentations over the past decade have just filled it with a ton of words and text and it's and it's become this sort of medium by which people hate seeing when you pull up a presentation. What is <laughs> yeah. your philosophical orientation towards using visual aids specifically with PowerPoint? Oh man, we'll just, um, all right, you got like three hours. <laughs> yeah, we've got time, man, we've got time. <laughs> um, all right, so so what's, uh, let, let's look at, let's look at PowerPoint and why it exists, right? Um, you know why it exists at all and what went wrong. Um, let's let's go back. You know um, Thomas and Ahmed out in the out, out in the prairie with no spear again. Um, you know when when humans evolved, we 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 did two things really well. Um, when we invented fire, so when we invented fire, we could cook food and that um, helped us to you know absorb more nutrients, all of that. But the act of cooking, we sit around a campfire and what did we used to do? We used to tell stories. Right. Yeah. Um, we also evolved with hugely brilliant eyesight. Um, we are a visual creature. It's why we used to draw on, you know, cave walls. It's why we, you know, go to the Louvre to see a painting that's a few hundred years old. We're a visual creature. Right. And storytelling storytelling builds, um, when you're telling a story to an audience, you're putting images in their mind, right? We want to see things. We want to visualise things either internally or externally. So why does PowerPoint exist? Well, we know um, 
we know when speaking that sometimes there are some things that you can't say, like you just can't, you can't describe a graph. You can't describe a picture in less than a thousand words as per the saying. Right. So, so that's why PowerPoint exists is to give us a visual form of communication during the act of um, giving a presentation. So that's, it's basically why it exists. Now, where did where did we go wrong? Like you say, in the last few decades, or in, you know, it was only came around in the nineties. Um, but in that time, obviously, it's got picked up by business. And PowerPoint's a strange software, right? Um, if you look at the Microsoft Office package, um, when you open Microsoft Word, it gives you a blank document. When you open Outlook, it gives you a blank email. But when you open PowerPoint, it says, "Click here to add your title." and then click here to add content. Right. And for whatever reason, whatever reason, it sets you up for failure immediately. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what's with that. And so we've sort of gotten to this place where it became, and I don't know what started it, but people, like you say, just put all of their dot points up on the PowerPoint, right? You end up with this click and read and click and read and click and read. And three minutes later, we're both asleep. And that is the definition of death by PowerPoint, right? That's it right there is, um, and, and it does for zillions of reasons, does no justice to the audience, does no justice to the presenter, does no justice to the message either. Um, so that's, that's sort of where I stand on PowerPoint. I think I've kind of lost the question, but that's sort of where I stand on PowerPoint is it needs, you need to remember that it's there for visual communication. Um, and, you know, when I talk about PowerPoint, it, it, the same goes whether you're using PowerPoint, Keynote, Prezi, Canva, I don't care. They're, they're all the same thing, right? It's just PowerPoint's the industry standard. Um, and when I talk visual communication, like, again, PowerPoint's a little bit of a shortcut because we can we can obviously have physical props as well or movement that, that help to be visual as well. But often PowerPoint is the most realistic given the corporate environment and the industry standard. That, no, I think that's a good uh, analysis of some of the, the historical problems with PowerPoint and the, the use of it as mm -hmm. a visual tool of communication. So if we shouldn't be filling it with text and bullets, what do you suggest people who not even have a corporate presentation or are doing a, a classroom presentation in eighth grade? What do you think yeah. gets them the most value out of that software? Yeah, right. Um, you know, last year, last year I was giving a talk um, and this is the world's most terrible sounding topic, but I was giving a talk on how the shape of the Brisbane River has changed since Brisbane was a thing. Um, and I was telling the story of how um, over the over the last century, really, dredging has happened, right? So right. Um, the powers that be decided that that bend in the river was too tight, so they, they dredged it out and they changed the shape of that, and then those swamplands became a... Um, uh, you know, part of a golf course and the other part became a river. And out at the, the mouth of the river, they built an island with all the all the crap they sort of dredged up, they put it over there and they made an island. And that's really boring to talk about, right? right. Like, um, it's really difficult to explain that. And so it was then that I knew I needed a PowerPoint. I needed a visual, okay? And there were two really powerful slides in that deck. One of them one of them was a map, a historical map of the Brisbane River, and then getting overlaid with a, a current map of the Brisbane River, right? So you could immediately see those changes. You could visualize it. The detail didn't really matter all that much about which bend or which whatever, just that it had changed. Right. And the other was a photo 
of the port of Brisbane, right? We've got a big port down here where stuff comes and goes, right? Um, and, you know, how long would it take me to explain that this this island was built and then in the, the, the 90s it was reclaimed and then, it, you know, got cranes built and docks built and, and the river moved? So, like, it's boring and it takes ages. Right. So I found a photo. I found two photos, sorry, that showed then. A couple of things happened. Now. So the point of this is you want to be using, when, you, when you're in the preparation phase of your presentation, you pr prepare a really good presentation. And at some point in there, you'll have that point where you think, ah, I need to show my audience this. Right. It's going to take, you know, like 2,000 words and seven minutes to talk about. Or we could have one visual, which really quickly, uh, visually explains that to the audience. Right. Now, that might be things, like I said, like pictures and maps. They can be useful. Um, Kate will always talk about graphs, charts, um, statistics, really simple um, visuals that help your audience to visualize a point quickly. And it saves you words, it saves them getting bored, and it will reinforce your message. So that's what you need to be thinking about with PowerPoint is visual. What do I have to show the audience? Um, because as a presenter, you can say words. Putting words on a PowerPoint is generally something to be avoided. Right, and it's kind of like the the visuals need to enhance the words you're speaking versus Correct. the words you're speaking be the end all be all of the presentation. How, how do you feel about themes yeah. in PowerPoints? Do like is there do you like approach designing the PowerPoint through like if you're going to speak at a company and their logos are red and black, like maybe you want to play to that or or do you like pick the built-in themes? What do you think about those types of things in terms of design? Um yeah, personally, I haven't used the themes too much. And I, I design a lot of PowerPoints. Um, the reason is more, um, the reason is more, if, if I look at the corporate environment, nobody who is, you know, a data analyst or an engineer or an accountant has a graphics design degree, right? We just, we just don't. Um, so it needs to be really simple. And, and simple is just best, right? Um so that, that's sort of where I go is just go simple. If you're if there's a theme that speaks to you, by all means use it. And I've done a couple of work, a couple of jobs with themes. Um, and yeah, if you need to wind in company logos, company colors, then absolutely. I mean, it, all that's doing is reducing decision fatigue. Right. You know, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, what what sort of feel do I want to this? If you can pull up your company's brand palette and it says, cool, yeah, we have red, blue, and white. Like, excellent. Let's just do those three colors. No thought required. Right. Um. So generally, simplest is best. And I normally just go a dark background, put the visuals in, put any of those key, like if there is, does need to be words in there, any of those key words on there, and you're good to go. Um, I'm realizing more and more, and this is, this is really new, is, um, sorry, two things actually. Within PowerPoint, Microsoft announced oh, some months ago that their AI system has now built over a billion slides. Um, so that's... That's coming. Like the, 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 you can basically open PowerPoint, drop two images in, and it goes, here's how you should should arrange them. And you know what? It's not perfect. But does it get the job done? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, because time, time is of the essence here. People can't spend forever designing a PowerPoint unless it's going to be something that's given over and over and over again they're getting paid a lot for. But, you know, in the work environment, you just need to get the job done. Right. Right. The, other thing, the other thing is places like Canva. I have done work in Canva now. 
Um, some designer has made some pretty things. You change the colors and it looks awesome. Like it's just really easy and it looks, it looks awesome. It looks a little bit like, you know, maybe a bit hipster and new if that's what you're going for. It's a tool there for you. It's actually an Australian startup too. Is it? I thought it was in Silicon Valley. So there you go. Yeah, it's, I, I watched the. Uh, I listened to a podcast with the founder. Yeah, it's, it's from Australia, so it's pretty dope. Oh gosh, we're good, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm not getting it wrong and not saying that she's Australian and and she came to Silicon Valley. But I, as 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 I remember, the the company is paying taxes in Australia. So. I, All right, I'll I'll take it. That's yeah. <laughs> um. The final thing I want to say on this is in the corporate environment. So I haven't done a ton of visual communication for corporations and businesses. When you're getting yeah. when you're getting clients at Presentation Boss um, and helping them design PowerPoints, helping them understand how to use the PowerPoint effectively and, and present it, is it really a like very important thing that they are requiring coaches to be able to present the PowerPoint? Meaning, does the PowerPoint is it kind of like a make or break thing for them in their industry that they need to get the presentation right in order to move forward with their business, which is why they're investing in professional development? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, let's, uh, here's an issue in, in our industry. I'm sure you've seen it as well is there is no tangible result for good communication skills. You know, you talked about your previous guest who said you can't capitalize on that. Right. And again, it's like, what's the price of being better at speaking? How much better at speaking even am I, right? PowerPoint's a little bit the same, but if we try, you know, we start asking these questions, which is how much do you want your meetings to be more interesting? Right. What's the price of you being bored? Um, what's the price of you've got maybe brilliant experts in your business who are not articulating things clearly or what they're presenting on a PowerPoint is, is just not working right like what's what's the price of that what what price do you put on meetings that nobody wants to go to you know and it's a genuine goal that you can have meetings that people are excited to be at um and a lot of that comes back to powerpoint you know how how many times do people sit in a meeting and they go oh it's death by powerpoint again right and then they you know they, they've got a presentation to give so they get back onto their computer and they think well open PowerPoint and you're in the same place, right? Because that's all you've ever seen. All you've ever seen is the click and read and all you've ever seen is the, you know, um, opening PowerPoint and start typing your bullet points out. Um, so is it critical to get PowerPoint right? Well, yes and no. Um, is it, it, PowerPoint forms one of the key areas of, of presentation skills. It's just one of the things, right? Um, to be like if you could change gears in a car, but you couldn't indicate or steer, you know, like you kind of need to do all of it, right? Um, and PowerPoint should always come last, I think. You know, so before you, you're preparing a presentation um, and, and you, you get to that point where you realize you need to show the audience something. But, but getting PowerPoint right so that it's not death by PowerPoint is important because it's now moved your, um, your staff and the presenters away from relying on it as as a teleprompter, you've now actually got people who are good at presenting. If you know how to use PowerPoint properly, it's come from a place of knowing how to present properly. Right. Um, and, and again, you know, like if you've got attractive PowerPoint design, and I'm talking like simple stuff, I'm not talking like beautiful graphic sort of thing, just simple but attractive design, well, then you're gonna have an audience that listens so much more. You've got a presenter who's going to be heard so much more. 
And you might actually be moving forward in business and hearing people's ideas rather than it being just another meeting that I'm never going to get back. Right. And, and I think that especially makes sense because um, I haven't had a corporate necessarily job yet, but from what I understand about the culture, mm. it's like a lot of it is just meetings, right? And a lot of those meetings yeah. are very, very integral towards the company's success. And one of the things that just I thought of in my mind when you were talking is like venture, venture capitalists, right? Like when startups are going to secure a venture capital fund or when companies are just trying to secure a new account from a different client, like it seems like that communicative activity, whether it's through a PowerPoint or whether through it's some level of uh, presentation skills that are required to get that venture capital seed a funding or to get that client, it necessitates the, 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 the validity of being able to have effective communication. And then if you have the visual yeah. elements on top of that, then it's really good. Yeah. I mean, we, we see it all the time, um, which is the, the folks who are promoted and paid more, you know, next year or the year after are not necessarily the best at their job, but they are the best at communicating. Right. You know, um, Warren Buffett has the quote about, um, having decent communication skills, I think doubles your value. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look at, again, let's jump back into the US, which is, um, you remember An Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore, right? He used right. to be the next president. Um, he started that sort of uh, public consciousness around An Inconvenient Truth. And what did he use? It was little more than a PowerPoint. Yeah. He just you know, delivered it however many thousand times, then presented it on stage, it got filmed, and boom, there's a movement. So, yeah, the, the ability to communicate... Um, like I said, all of your ideas, everything you think, all of your expertise is useless unless you can communicate. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Last couple questions, then I'm going to let Thomas go. Yeah. I've taken up enough of his time today. Um, <laughs> first question is just the, the I asked Kate this, so I'll, I'll ask you this, the, the future of presentation boss. Where do you where do you see it going? Do you want it to be like a huge multinational company? Are you taking it day by day? What future do you see in, in your role as someone who is coaching people on presentation skills and what that means for the business. Oh, interesting. So if our answers disagree, it shows a, <laughs> it's a little strange. Um, look, we're, we're, <laughs> I, think we're said, um, I, I think her answer was like, she's just, they're just trying to expand. I think that was the result of her answer. Yeah, that was basically my answer is look, yeah, we're, we're going to continue to grow. Um, and it'd be really nice if we could continue to grow certainly within Australia. Um, and, and, get a bit more into that market, into the corporate, um, into the corporate workshops. I personally love one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. We both actually love speaking. So, you know, as we get a bit more freedom there, uh, hopefully we, you know, we get to get out and speak a bit more and, and travel overseas and do what we love doing. And that's, you know, it is what we love doing. So why would we not? Right. Right. All right. Last question. I asked this to every guest on the podcast. So I'm just going to end it off yeah. by asking you the question, Thomas Kraft, are you happy right now in life? Yeah, yeah, it's going all right. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> like I said at the top of, like I said at the top of the podcast, it's uh, pushing forty degrees outside and half of my state's on fire. But hey, it's all good in here, man. Whenever yeah. you're talking about talking, it's a good day. Whenever you're talking about talking, it's a good day. That's the perfect that's way one. To it. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Um, so thank you guys for coming on another episode of the Public Speakers Podcast. Thomas, just let them know where they can find you on social, and then we'll be out of here. Uh. Best two places to find me is on LinkedIn. You can search for Thomas Craft, K-R-A-F-F-T, or our website, presentationboss.com.au. And there's a podcast in there as well if you want to listen to more public speaking stuff. There is. I actually I actually tuned into that. And you guys, 
uh, they do speech analysis, which is something that I've been mm-hmm. doing as well, which is that they'll break down a talk. At, a lot of them could be like TED Talks and stuff like that. And they'll literally pause it moment by moment and analyze what was just said, the tone and pitch in what was said, the content delivery. So really, really good stuff. Definitely check it out. Yeah. And we, we I noticed your podcast as well. We both did the Alex Honnold we did. Um, about climbing El Capitan. And I was listening to yours and just went, oh, yeah, we kind of picked up the same stuff, some different stuff. It was really cool to listen to. Yeah, actually, I mean, we could talk about it for like another 30 seconds. But it was – he had such an amazing life experience. And I don't know who coached yeah. him or if he got coaching. But he just felt so like – like it was robotic the way he was like executing the speech. Mm. Not to say it was a bad speech because the content I think obviously outweighs a lot of the delivery. But I think it could have been so much more phenomenal if he paused a little bit, if he like wasn't so quick to move on, if he let the audience clap. It was it was interesting speech. Yeah, I think it was um, – I think it's really easy to look at – um, like you said, uh, things like he needed a bit more pause, slow down. I think it was actually more fundamental than that, which was um, he'd obviously been coached a lot. You could see that. Um, but maybe it needed a bit more rehearsal to get sort of past that that almost the uncanny valley of uh, being robotic and right. where he's just more uh, internalised the idea and the flow and he can just tell those stories. And we got a lot more Alex rather than sort of um, reading an internal script. But yeah, it was interesting. We saw similar stuff. So you think you think he definitely got coached pretty heavy in the execution of his. Oh coaching. yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I don't know if we, I don't know if we mentioned this in the podcast, but how many times do we see somebody who does something freaking awesome in their lives, you know, climbs El Capitan, and immediately they start getting phone calls about like, come and talk about that. Right. Well, we know that literally nobody is a natural born good speaker, and so. Um, you know, that's, that's what keeps us employed, right? Um, right. It's helping people do that. Um, and so you, you can tell he got coaching into how to effectively tell those two stories that were in there um, in a way that was engaging with, they, he pulled out a lot of detail and fluff that wasn't needed. Yeah. He had some careful word choice. Yeah. And, and honestly, to get on the TED stage, like they vet really hard and they, they throw their team of coaches at, at each of those speakers. So you'd expect it to be good. But I think, yeah, just that little bit more preparation we would have seen. Um, it just become that little bit more organic again. Yeah, more natural, organic. Not not thinking of what to say and like get, just wait, just waiting yeah. to get to that spot, but letting it naturally flow. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right, everybody. That's Thomas Craft. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Public Speakers Podcast.